If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, as we have been uh, uh, looking at what Jesus expects from us, and uh, th- this has been a journey we've been on for uh, about five weeks. Uh, if you remember, we began by looking at who we are as followers of Christ and who we are as the church, uh, the body of Christ. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he said, you are the light of the world. Now, that wasn't a suggestion. It, it, it wasn't even a command. That was an identifying statement. If you indeed, and everybody look this way while you're turning. I love hearing pages turn go to the Bible. And, and in fact, I, I wish uh, somebody told me at the earlier service, I, I, I love Bible apps too on your phone. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, maybe we ought to get a Bible app that makes uh, the, the uh, page-turning sound. And some, somebody said they already have that. I thought we were going to have a great app that we could create, and they said yeah, it's already in existence. I haven't seen it. Maybe we could make it famous. Um, but anyway, I love pages turning. But, but if you just look this way just for a second, when, when, we, when we think about who we are, we are, if indeed we're a follower of Jesus, now I'm, you're going to hear me talk today, and, and I'm going to talk to people who have been coming to this church, um, and you may have been coming to this tra- church for days or decades, uh, and you're not a follower of Jesus. All right, so I'm going to talk to you today, all right? So I'm not assuming, in fact, my, my clear assumption is that there are always people in this room who are not yet followers of Jesus, okay? I believe that to be true, and, and many are the people that we usually see. So we'll talk about that. But if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are, Jesus says, the light of the world. And the light of the world because the world is filled with darkness. It's filled with darkness not because of any cultural shifts. It's filled with darkness not because of some political agendas. It's filled with darkness not because of some some geopolitical force that's uh, uh, raiding against us. No, the reason it's filled with darkness is because of sin. Sin is what makes this world dark. And that's your sin and mine. Not, 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 some, not some anonymous sinner out there. That's you and me. We, our, us, our sin is what creates the darkness in this world and creates the vacuum and the cycle of darkness in which we live. And, 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 and it's in that darkness that we need something to help us escape. And, and, and most certainly... If you're a follower of Jesus, you have, you have seen the light. Uh, you have been embraced by new life. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have seen the pathway of rescue for you. you. You have seen that Jesus is the way that you can be rescued from the pain and the penalty and the shame of your sin. How you can escape the darkness that your sin has established. How that you can now be children of light. Now, this, this is not an automatic thing that happens because you show up in a church, and it's not an automatic thing that happens because you're an American, and it's not an automatic thing that happens because you have a moral compass. It's not an automatic thing that happens because uh, uh, of anything that you do. 
We, be, we, we escape darkness and enter into light because of what God has done. But once we have escaped the darkness, once we've received this wondrous gospel that transforms our life and, and brings us into light, then the core of our identity is this. What I have received, I now share. That's the core. That's what Jesus is saying. You are the light of the world. He's not saying, oh, glorious you, you're light. No, he's saying you're the light of the world. You have a responsibility. Verse 16, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You're the light of the world, not so that you can hold it to yourself and be warmed by that light alone. You are the light of the world. I am the light of the world so that we might help those who are dwelling in darkness escape the darkness. What we've received, we share. What we've received, we share. And friends, if you are not sharing what you have received, if you're a follower of Christ and you're not sharing what you have received, you're not an obedient follower of Christ. Okay? All right. So that being said, what, what we've been looking at is we want to see how that we can grow as light, how, how that we can fulfill our calling as light. How do, we, how do we do that? And so we've been looking over the last several weeks, how, how are we light in a dark world? Well, first we go with the L. We shine the light of the gospel faithfully when we listen well to others. And that's, that comes from James chapter 1 where uh, the Bible says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. We want to listen well to others so that we understand who they are and so that we can I intercede for them. That comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2 where Apostle Paul says, pray for all people. Why? Because God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so we pray for those who are far from God and dwelling in darkness. We, we listen to them. We, I, intercede for them. And then we, G, gather with them. This is uh, what Jesus said to Zacchaeus, this short-statured tax collector and sinner. Jesus went to Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, come down right now, for I must spend the day with you. I need to gather with you. And, and when we gather with those who are far from God, it, uh, it, 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 it tills the soil for the gospel seed to take root in that person's soul. So we listen, L. We I intercede. We G gather. And then last week we heard the Beatles help us with learning what to do to be light when they ask the question or make the statement, help, I need somebody. Uh, help, not just anybody. Help, I need somebody. Help, help, help. What do we do to be light in the dark world? We help those who are far from God. We listen, we intercede, we gather, we H. Help. Now, this isn't just some nice little uh, 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 social program that we need to put together. It is uh, flowing out of who Jesus models for us to be. In, in, in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, Jesus simply said, if you want to be somebody special in the kingdom of God, if you want to accomplish God's purposes in the church, if you want to be somebody, it's not the positions you hold, it's not how many years you've been in the church, you want to be somebody, then you need to be servant of all. We have an entitlement uh, not to uh, we don't have an entitlement to be served, Jesus said, but we have a responsibility to serve. And the model he said was Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man, the King of glory himself, did not come to this earth to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so we must help others. Just as Jesus helped us, we share what we have received. So L-I-G-H, but you're not going to be light until you finish the word. And that is to tell. That's what Paul is getting at here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He's saying, we've got to tell the gospel, and, and that's what he describes. Now, we're going to look at verses 3 and 4 in particular, but I want you to, I want you to begin in verse 1 and, and read along with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Declare, another word for tell. I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you. Preached, another word for tell which you also received and in which you stand, by which you are saved, also saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Now verses 3 and 4. For I delivered to you first of all that which I received. He shares what he's received. I delivered to you first of all that which I received. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. So here we are. We need to learn the lesson that Paul is teaching, and the lesson is simply this. We share the light of the gospel faithfully when we tell others the path for their rescue. Hey, listen. Just listen for a second. You are not being light until you tell people how to escape the darkness. It's good to listen. It's important to intercede. It's, it's marvelous to gather with them, and it is beneficial to help them. But all of that is incomplete until we tell someone how that they can escape the darkness. Until we share what we've received. I do believe, and everybody look this way. I want you to hear this. I believe that so many of us fail to share, to tell the truth of the gospel because we have not yet received it. We've been putting on this affectation of being a religious person. We follow particular, particular religious rules. We, we, we follow a moral code of conduct that makes us look respectable. We we, we, we go to the right places, i.e. church. We do this kind of thing. We play the game, but the, the truth is we have not yet received the gospel. And that's why we don't share it. The core component of being a follower of Jesus is not getting more information about God. It's about being obedient to who God has called us to be. We talk about going deeper, and students, your, your, your theme this week was deeper still, and I love that theme, but so often we get confused in church life. We think that going deeper means we get more information. Friends, I am a shallow follower of Jesus when I am disobedient to God, regardless of my Ph.D., but I am going deeper with God. When I am obedient in the things that he has shown me. Your maturity as a follower of Jesus has zero to do with the information and the intricacies and the complexities of your theological systems. What makes you deep 
mature as a follower of Jesus, you being obedient to the simple truths that he's given you. Some of you can spout all kinds of eschatological systems, but you're not a deep follower of Jesus because you're not obedient. You're just not obedient to him. Some of you aren't obedient to him because you've been playing a church game, but you're not a follower of Jesus. To put a finer point on that, you've got a lot of information, but you're not going to heaven when you die. And I don't say that out of meanness. I say it because I'm trying to help you understand what it takes to become a follower of Jesus and how to get to heaven. What I've received, I need to share with you. And when you leave this place, if indeed you're a follower of Jesus, what you've received, you need to share with others. You need to tell the path of rescue. That being said, we look at this passage. Paul says, well, what, I've, uh, what I've received, I, I shared with you. And it's, it's got the power to rescue your life. That's verse 2. He said, he said, this stuff will save you. It will rescue you. It'll rescue you out of the dismal swamp of your own despair as you are swallowed up by by the darkness in which you live. It, It will rescue you out of the shame and the pain and the shackles of your sin. It will rescue you. It'll take you far from God. When you're far from God, it'll bring you near to God. It, it will it'll make you part of God's family. It is something that will save you. But you've got to receive it. And for you to receive it, I've got to tell it. So here we go. Let's talk about it. What is this gospel that Paul shared that he had received that changed his life? Well, first of all, it's Jesus died for our sins. Don't make it any more complicated than that. Jesus died for our sin. Now, we need to understand that we're sinners. And sometimes that's hard to comprehend because so many people have excused their behavior especially church people. Do you know I find, I find it uh, interesting that people who go to church more are the ones who are more equipped to excuse their sin than the people that never go to church? People that never go to church, I mean, they're, they, yeah, man, I'm a sinner. They might not call it that, but that's what they're talking about. Yeah, man, I've blown it. It's the people in the church, and it's us. We're the ones that pretend like we're not sinners. When Paul writes in verse 3, this is what I delivered to you, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That Jesus came from the throne room of heaven to be born in a manger in a stable, to live and, and, and breathe in this world, fully God yet fully man. But he came for a purpose, and that purpose was to die in the place of sinners, to take the punishment that my sin demanded uh, upon himself, to stretch out his arms on a cross called Calvary and die for me. Jesus died for our sin. He didn't die because of a Roman government. He didn't die because of political coup. He didn't die because his popularity was waning. Jesus died by the predetermined will of God himself. Jesus died to rescue you and me from our sin.
Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. And the Lord God Almighty has laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. Jesus died for your sin and mine. You see, we've got a sin problem. There's nothing we can do to fix it. We can try to work our way out of it, but that's part of the problem, especially in church life. See, in church life, what we do is we unintentionally, in the Baptist world, we unintentionally say, if you can check all the boxes of being a good-looking church person, then you must go to, be going to heaven when you die. But the problem is that doesn't fix your, church, your, your sin problem. I am a poster child of being a good church kid. That was going straight to hell. Fulfilling all the, all the responsibilities of being a good church kid. Of, of praying all the time and going to church all the time. And even talking to people about Jesus. All the, I did all those things. It's like I am right now preaching thousands of sermons. But it doesn't matter if I preach a thousand sermons. If I don't have my sin problem dealt with, all those sermons aren't going to help me a bit. It doesn't matter how many days or weeks or months or years or decades you've been sitting in this building. If you haven't, it it, it won't do anything to fix your sin problem. There's only one solution to our sin problem. And that is Jesus taking our sin upon himself. It's us. Understanding that my sin separates me from God and Jesus died for my sin. See, perhaps the reason you don't talk to people about Jesus dying for our sin is because you've never received the death as your very own. You've played the church game, and you've become very proud in your churchianity. But you've never bent low before the cross of Christ and recognized that it's your sin that put him there. Maybe... Maybe that's why you don't ever tell people that Jesus died for our sin according to Scripture. Paul goes on and says, Jesus died for our sin according to Scripture. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day according to Scripture. When we tell people the path for their rescue, it's that Jesus died for their sin so that they might escape the shame and the shackle of their sin. But secondly, we... We declare that Jesus was raised from the dead. See, the resurrection is not just an Easter event. The resurrection is the core of the gospel. That death is not the end. That, that, that the price that Jesus paid was affirmed by, by God himself as payment in full. That, that Jesus was killed, yes. He was buried, dead, yes. But God raised him from the dead so that we who follow after Jesus might have a hope that is living and secure. That no matter what the devil has to say about it, no matter how big the obstacle of death may be, all that stands between us and a holy God has been obliterated by Jesus being raised from the dead. We have new life because Jesus is raised from the dead. Can I just say, if you're here today and you don't believe in the literal resurrection of Jesus from the dead, then you're not a follower of Christ. I know that sounds kind of harsh, but I would be dishonest if I said anything less than that. 
if you're here, and, and maybe that's why you don't talk to others about, tell others about, about Jesus being raised from this, because you don't really believe it. You might believe in Jesus, the moral teacher, or Jesus, the martyr, but if you don't believe that Jesus literally was raised from the dead, then you don't believe on Jesus who saves. The resurrection is a non-negotiable for salvation. So we need to share. Hey, Jesus was raised from the dead. And as Paul said it in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, a little bit differently, he said that Jesus was delivered up on the cross because of our sin, our iniquities. So Jesus died to pay the price, take my punishment upon himself. He was, he was raised up to die for my iniquities. But he was, uh, he was delivered up to die for my iniquities, but he was raised up from the dead to make me right with God. Do you realize that the resurrection is the confirmation that I have been accepted by God and his family? The resurrection is affirmation that I have new life in Christ. But this is what we're supposed to tell people who are dwelling in darkness and who are far from God. We're supposed to be telling them this simple truth, that Jesus died on a cross for a sinner like you to pay the price for your sin, to bring forgiveness into your life. And Jesus was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead to give you new life and make you fit for God's family. I'm convinced that of the hundreds of people that we have in this room right now, that there are many of us who don't share the truth of the gospel because we haven't received the truth of the gospel. We've been captured by churchianity, religiosity, morality, all kinds of other alities, but we haven't been captured by Jesus. We're following a lot of different ideas, but we're not following after the King of kings and Lord of lords. I want you to look this way. One of the biggest problems in the church today is we've got a lot of church people who don't know Jesus. They're pretending. And if I could put it in even more specifically, some of you have been in this room longer than I have. But you're not going to heaven when you die because you haven't received the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that changes for you today. See, the only way we can receive the gift of forgiveness in life through the death of Christ on a cross for our sin and through his resurrection from the dead, the only way we can receive that is when we repent and believe on Jesus. See, again, look this way. I believe many of you are not sharing, not telling, not telling people around you that they must repent and believe on Jesus because you haven't repented and believed on Jesus. Again, you're playing a good church game, but you're lost. 
You're still not found. You're still drowning in darkness. You're still playing with the emptiness inside your soul and acting like it's satisfying. It doesn't matter how, how long you've been in this church. It doesn't matter how many sermons you preach. Until you repent and believe on Jesus, you will not be saved. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, unless we repent, we will perish eternally. Unless we repent, we will perish. Repentance is not merely just saying the words. Repentance is where there is a transformation, a conversion in our heart, in our mind, in our way of thinking, in our way of, of, of believing. It's, it's where we transfer trust from ourselves to Jesus, where we see that he died on a cross, not just in a general way, but specifically for me, a sinner. And the only way I'm going to get forgiven by, for, for my sin is by trusting in Jesus, not by working it out on my own, not by trying to be religious enough to make up for my sin, but the only way for me to be forgiven is to trust Jesus and to give him my life. The only way for me to experience new life is not by turning over a new leaf. It's not by being more moral. It's not by doing more religious stuff. The only way for me personally to experience new life is through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. His resurrection becoming my new life. To repent and believe on Jesus means that I give up. And I give everything over to him. I bow before the cross and I stop pretending like I'm all that in peanut butter too. I start begging for his mercy and pleading for his grace Have mercy on me, a sinner, and he rescues me. See, some of you are here and you've done a lot of church things, but you haven't done the main thing, and that is repent and believe on Jesus. I hope that changes for you today. See, in a moment, I'm going to invite any in this room I'm going to invite everyone in this room who has yet to cross the line of faith to become a follower of Jesus. I'm going to invite you to follow Jesus today. I'm going to invite you to choose Christ today. I'm going to invite you to give up all your morality and your religiosity and your churchianity. I'm going to give, I ask you to invite you to give up all the things that you're clinging to and acting like that's all it takes. And I'm going to invite you to trust in Jesus who died on a cross for your sin and was raised to new life through the resurrection. And I'm going to invite you to repent and believe on Jesus. But before I get there, I want to talk to followers of Jesus in the room right now. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the light of the world. Stop hiding the light and start telling others the gospel. We're called to tell others how that they can be rescued. 
to tell them with our words. We listen, we pray, intercede for them, we gather with them, we help them. But friends, we got to tell them. My prayer is that over the next hundred days through the ministry and life of First Norfolk, the body of Christ scattered throughout the seven cities of Hampton Roads, my prayer is for the next hundred days we will see a hundred people who are far from God find life through faith in Christ. We've had three today, only 97 more to go. And I'm going to invite you I'm going to invite you to join me Tuesday night at 6.30. I'm not going to be there this Tuesday night, but every Tuesday night in the month of August, I'm going to invite you to come and pray with us. To pray for what God desires to accomplish through this church, this body of believers. He has something great in store for us. We can't just sit idly by. Friends, we live in serious times. These are serious times. And it's time for us to stop playing games and get serious. So as followers of Jesus, I'm going to invite you to join me on this journey, praying for 100 people to come to faith in Christ in the next 100 days, praying for what we do as a church and how we do it, that we would accomplish God's purposes as light in the seven cities of Hampton Roads and even around the world. But now, to those of you here, Who have yet to follow Jesus. Now you might, you might say, well, Eric, I've been a member of First Baptist Norfolk or a member of churchy, church one, two, or three all my life. Guys, when you get to the pearly gates, the entrance into the pearly gates is not your church membership. The only way we get to heaven when we die is if We have been forgiven by God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That the stamp of God's approval has been planted on us because of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. And the only way we get that approval, the only way we get that forgiveness is when we repent and believe on Jesus. Not when we adopt a new moral code. Not not when we join a church. It's when we abandon ourselves into the hands of Jesus, when we transfer all of our trust into the hands of Jesus. Now, I want you to know there are some people in this room today, and and you are not a follower of Jesus. And you are not part of God's family. And your sin has still separated you from a holy God. And you're still drowning in the darkness, swallowed up by the despair that your sin has created. And today, right now, you have a chance to be forgiven and find new life. And I beg you today to choose Christ to choose Christ, to repent, 
and to believe on him, to choose Christ, to let go of everything that you've been clinging to to satisfy your soul and look only to the Jesus who died for you and was raised from the dead. I beg you to choose Christ today. Stop playing games. It's not worth it. Choose Christ today. Right now, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? This morning, many of you are here, and God, by His grace, has been speaking to your heart. He's been, he's been overwhelming you with His presence, communicating to you that this is your moment for rescue. God, by His grace and through His Spirit, has been drawing you to Himself And he has been pleading with you this morning to choose Christ, to repent your sin and to believe on Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sin, that he was raised from the dead to give you new life. This is your moment. God has been speaking. Your heart is pounding, and this is the time. And in a moment after I pray, I'm going to invite every person who needs to cross the line of faith to become a follower of Jesus. Invite every person who who is today committed to choose Christ, to trust him for your rescue, to choose Christ, to trust him for your life, for for you to come here to one of the pastors that will be down here at the front. Every hour we've had some who have come. You know that God is calling you this morning. And immediately after this prayer, I'm going to invite you to come. And I pray, oh God, that he would give you the courage and the faith to choose Jesus today. So Lord God, in this place, in this moment, at this time, I pray according to the work of your grace the drawing of your spirit that you would give courage and faith to those here today whom you are drawing to yourself. Give them the courage and the faith to say yes, to choose Jesus as their only hope for rescue, to choose Jesus and to trust him for every aspect of life. Oh God, I pray that you would do that mighty work of grace among those who have gathered here that that in this room, whether up in the balcony or here on the lower floor, that you would draw them and that they would find themselves standing up and walking to one of the ministers at the front. Oh God, do your work. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.